Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Problematic Woman, the show that showcases strong conservative women that feminists don't like and get triggered by. So for those of you who are new to the show, every week we like to highlight a woman that the left deems as problematic. And we talk about how cool she is and awesome she is and why she should wear this uh, tag of shame, as liberals like to give her, as a crown of honor. Because you know what? You should be problematic, right? Because well-behaved women rarely make history as a great woman once said. Although I'm not even sure that that's actually Marilyn Monroe, although it's often attributed to her. But anyway, I'm <laughs> off, off, on a tangent. Um, but before we crown our problematic women, we like to get into some of the issues that happened this week. Exactly. So our first segment is called That Happened, and it's a segment where we showcase some of the more ridiculous and hypocritical news stories of the week. There's never a shortage of them, we have found. So by now, everybody, I'm sure, has heard and read about the controversy scandal involving Matt Lauer of NBC News. Uh, He was fired from his job this week, uh, surrounding multiple allegations from multiple women, um, just to give the listeners an idea of uh, the types of allegations that we're dealing with in this case, because there are so many cases at this point of sexual harassment, sexual assault. Um, He allegedly gave one woman a sex toy with a note saying he wanted to use it on her. He summoned a different female employee into his office, dropped his trousers, and you can only imagine what happened after that. But after she did not engage, he reprimanded her, allegedly. Um, He also used this automatic lock that he apparently had in his (laughs) office to sit behind his desk press his lock and lock a woman in his office. I mean, don't you have one of those, Kelsey? <laughs> don't those come standard here That is in one the of Daily the cre- Signal newsroom? <laughs> That's one of the creepiest parts of all of these stories. I just, as a woman, I can't imagine getting locked inside a male's office, particularly someone who you probably respect and admire so much like him. So I have uh, so much sympathy for these women. Um, I have a lot of respect for them for coming forward. Um, Bree, what do you think? I think that this just reveals so much about how systemic this problem is, right? I mean, it's very clear that these are just not one-off incidents, right? It's not just one guy going rogue, doing something gross. Oh, you know, it's everywhere. And I think at the end of the day, what we have to take away is that, you know, sin is everywhere too, right? And (laughs) we're never really going to completely eradicate it or get away from it, but there's definitely things we can do. And I think raising a cultural awareness of the problem is definitely one way to combat it. Well, I think everybody, uh, you know, is trying to look back at Matt Lauer's career to look for signs of this. And this was the first interview that came to mind when I heard about this, because as someone who actually worked at Fox News, I was paying attention to the scandals involving Bill O'Reilly and uh, other anchors at Fox News. And I remembered very clearly Matt did a very tough interview with Bill O'Reilly involving the allegations against him. And looking back on that interview, you see how hypocritical it was, and it shows a level of arrogance in Matt Lauer um, for the way he conducted that interview. So here's a clip of that. Think about those five women um, and what they did. They came forward and filed complaints against the biggest star 
at the network they worked at. Think of how intimidating that must have been, how nerve-wracking that must have been. Doesn't that tell you how strongly they felt about the way they were treated by you? Well, it's not just me. Those lawsuits involve many other people, not just me. So I, I don't know, I'm not going to speculate about intent or why people did what they did, but you don't have this story, Lauer, correct. Lawsuits involved many people, many but people. But you were also named. I was named in a few of them, a few of them. Let me put a period on it this way, Bill, by asking you, over the last six months since your firing, have you done some soul searching? Have you, have you done some self-reflection? And have you looked at the way you treated women that you think now or think about differently now than you did at the time? Oh, well. well. <laughs> Kelsey, have you done some soul searching? <laughs> Luckily, I don't have to. But yeah. I certainly hope that Matt Lauer is. And I just can't believe the arrogance he must have had yeah. to conduct that interview in that manner, knowing, knowing what he has done in his past. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, you know, reading other tidbits about the way uh, NBC protected him so much and just coddled him and, tr you know, treated him like a god, basically. I mean, they would pay for him to fly back and forth to the Hamptons, to Manhattan every single weekend in a helicopter, um, no less. And I think at one point he was earning like $25 million a year. I mean, this is the highest paid uh, anchor, broadcaster, whatever in the U.S., like, of any network, right? So it is really funny watching him deride Bill O'Reilly when he <laughs> did the exact same thing or worse. Um, I don't know. It's just like, what's going on there, right? Is it just an insane amount of hubris or is it an extreme amount of unself-awareness? I don't know. Anyway. It'll be interesting to see whether he disappears completely or whether he'll attempt some sort of comeback. comeback. And I think that's that's the same question for all yeah, these men. I've also been wondering that, too. Like, is it are their careers done forever or can they, you know, launch a comeback to do this? I don't know. It's interesting. TBD. All right. So New York Times is up in arms over Ivanka Trump because they don't like what she's wearing in India uh, during her diplomatic visit this week because they are saying that it is cultural appropriation. And their argument is that she doesn't... So they're upset because Ivanka doesn't wear a full sari or a full like authentic Punjabi. Instead, she's wearing um, clothes that are kind of cut like American clothes, but with uh, Indian you know, inspired prints or patterns or things like that. So they're really upset at what she's wearing and they're calling it cultural appropriation. And I think that personally, I think that a lot of it is ridiculous. I mean, just yesterday I was talking to someone who was from India and he was really excited that Ivanka Trump was over there and that she was, you know, traveling around. And he asked me if I happened to catch Ivanka's, Ivanka Trump's speech earlier this week at, I, I forget exactly where it was. Um, and I was like, oh no, I haven't been able to, you know, I didn't have a chance to catch it yet. And he was like, well, you should really pull it up. Like, it's really worth your time. I'm sh I'll find it for you on YouTube. Like he was really excited. Um, and I also have found that to be true in my experience. I mean, my family um, does a lot of humanitarian work over in India. My parents help run a deaf school uh, over in India. Actually, two um, of the executives from that deaf school are going to be visiting my family for a couple of weeks over you know, the new year. And whenever 
we would host our aunties and uncles from India. My parents would always make us dress up in Punjabis and, you know, they always loved it, right? Indian people are known and are kind of famous for being so warm and welcoming and appreciative when you try to like embrace their culture. So I just found that response to be not true at all uh, with my experience, you know, even if you kind of aren't that good at dressing like they do, like they forgive it, you know? Um, because a lot of times the United States does ignore or overlook India, right? Especially when it comes to foreign policy, we kind of just tend to not pay as much attention to them as other countries. I think this piece in the New York Times also speaks to a greater trend or um, habit of how the media treats the Trump administration, particularly when they're traveling overseas, because the Trump administration has actually... I would say been at its best and been its strongest when it's on the international stage, when it's Trump giving a speech over in in Europe or or elsewhere. Um, And the media just always needs to find a flaw. Yeah. And they always seem to want to mock the Trump the Trumps and and make them look bad. And I think this is just yet another example. I'm obviously not surprised by it. But, you know, at the end of the day, everybody knows Ivanka Trump is going to look beautiful no matter what she wears. And she wasn't going there on a fashion show. She was going there, you know, as a a diplomat of the United States, um, particularly to work on and speak on women's issues. So I think we maybe need to stop focusing so much on her fashion and start focusing on the content of her speech, which is Exactly what you said people who you spoke with who are from India actually are paying attention to. <laughs> yeah, very true. All right. So our next That Happened topic of the week, uh, we're talking about Melania Trump this time, who children at the White House said she came out at the Christmas display looking like an angel, which was just absolutely (laughs) adorable. Uh, The White House Christmas decorations are beautiful. If you have not seen them, I highly recommend going to Melania Trump's Facebook page and watching this video showing her getting all these decorations up. It is just a magical scene. But of course, some members of the media (sighs) have a problem with it. This time it was Tim Tiemann over at the Daily Beast who basically accused Melania Trump of mistaking Christmas for Halloween. Uh, He said she designed an anti-Christmas wonderland of white branches set stark against the wall, casting creepy shadows on the ceiling, leading to, at the end of the corridor, the East Garden Room, a traditional Christmas tree bathed in golden light. The only thing missing is a dragon breathing fire intent on stopping you getting your hands on a magic amulet. So I kind of there's a lot happening. (laughs) There's a lot happening there. I I kind of had fun with this one, and I went after him on Twitter and just sent him a bunch of memes of the Grinch because that's (laughs) what he sounds like. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And also, I mean, if you just look at the pictures, like it does look nice. So I like at this point, a lot of times, some of the criticisms that are set forth against the Trump administration. And to be clear, there are a lot of legitimate criticisms to be launched against the Trump administration. (laughs) But sometimes when it's about the White House Christmas decorations and how they look like they're from Tim Burton's, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas or whatever. Like, at this point, sometimes I'm wondering, are they living in another dimension where things are different there? And, like, 
there's a wormhole where part of our realities cross. I don't know. Or like hit the holiday cocktail bar too hard and had some blurred vision when they looked at this beautiful display. I mean, Something's that is going possible. That is possible. <laughs> Tis the season. We know reporters like to drink, so yeah. it is very possible. It is. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of things that are difficult. Yeah, moving on to more serious subject, actually. Um, there's a new study out saying that birth control increases your risk of suicide. Uh, This was a study just recently published in the American Journal of Psychiatry by researchers in Denmark. American Journal of Psychiatry is a very respected uh, place to publish your work. So, of course, this study has not yet been published um, by a lot of the mainstream media, including the New York Times, the Washington Post. Oh, why do you think that is, Kelsey? Of course, (laughs) Planned Parenthood, the number one uh, abortion provider in the United States that claims to be an educator for women's reproductive rights. Of course, they've been silent on it. I found it actually because I have a Google alert set up for birth control because I, I just knew that that there's information about birth control, hormonal birth control, that we don't know. It's not out there. There's more coming because um, to give you some background, almost exactly a year ago, uh, a study by the same researchers came out, and uh, these researchers are looking at a half million women. So this is a massive, massive sample size, and it found a, a very strong connection to uh, hormonal birth control and depression. And so this time they were looking at the link between hormonal birth control and suicide, and what it found is the risk was triple for um, women who are on hormonal birth control and suicide. So out of that sample size, there were um, almost 7,000 women who actually committed suicide who were on birth control. So that's three times as many women who are committing suicide um, who are, than those who are not on birth control. That's serious. Wow. That's really scary, too, right? Especially because so many of us are on birth control, right? And I think... Yeah, I mean, the the statistics on that are just stunning. Exactly. And I think when we talk about when we hear reproductive rights in the media, it's always about access to uh, free taxpayer funded abortion on demand, uh, birth control on demand. And the reality is, I think that women sort of got caught up in, you know, the liberation that birth control provided, which let's be real, it did provide some real benefits for women. But I think we almost got caught up in that and, and and forgot to, you know, go back to the basics and ask ourselves, what is this doing to our bodies? And ask researchers to look into this and demand the government look into this and research it, considering that the government is now subsidizing birth control right. for women and basically encouraging women to be on birth control. So if the government's telling me something to do, something that I should be ingesting into my body, you better be sure that's safe for me to be ingesting. At the end of the day, I think this is a really important issue to bring attention to. If you know any young girls, I think everybody just needs to be aware because the there's nothing more empowering for young girls and women than being equipped with the knowledge you need to make a good healthcare decision for yourself. If you 
start a new birth control, hormonal birth control, and are having these suicidal thoughts, if you if the study did not exist, you would probably never think, well, maybe my birth control is causing it. Now we know that because of this study. So I really encourage you all to look more into it. I'm publishing a piece on thefederalist.com about it. Um, please just educate yourself and get this information out there because I really think young girls and women need to know. Yeah, I think that's Sort of my, wonderful point. my PSA, <laughs> public service announcement. <laughs> yeah. And I think the way that birth control is distributed can also be a part of the problem too, right? I mean, Planned Parenthood is pushing this app where if you're a teenage girl, you can just basically anonymously without, you know, consulting your parents or anything like that, request birth control be, you know, mailed or shipped to your house and you never even have to see a doctor in person, right? I think that that's really bad. And I think a lot of times doctors... Um, are really quick at pushing it on you. I mean, this is a little bit of a personal story. I'll keep it, you know, just uh, generalized here. But, you know, at one point in time, I did switch from one form of hormonal birth control to another, and I just jumped from one to the other without, like, a period of time in between because that's what my doctor told me to do. And then I was just feeling kind of weird and went to another doctor, and she was like, oh, well, you know, what happened here? What about this change? And she was like, why did you do that? Why did you just, like, do it right away from one thing to another? And I was like, oh, my doctor said that. And he w- she was like, no, you're supposed to wait, you know, a couple of months, you know, for everything to clear out before you just jump from one to the other, right? So I think even doctors sometimes are culpable in the problems that we have going on here as well. I think that's a very good point. They do sometimes prescribe it like candy. And I know even some, um, some people on the right have... Um, advocated for being able to buy hormonal birth control over the counter at your local drugstore. But I think that this research, um, the research that came out a year ago, I think we really need to take a hard look at this, demand that more studies be undertaken and, and have a pretty frank conversation with women and young girls who are using this about the risks involved. Because right now, you know, when you go to your doctor, I don't think the seriousness of some of these side effects is being communicated. Okay, really quickly, our last That Happened segment of the week. It involves who else? Linda Sarsour from the Women's March. She was one of the founders of the Women's March. Um, she, she, <laughs> oh, how do we even get into this? So uh, she was speaking on a panel and uh and and this is what she said. If you're reading all day long, morning and night in the Jewish media, is that Linda Sarsour and Minister Frank uh, Farrakhan are accidental threats to the Jewish community. Something really bad is going to happen, and we are going to miss the mark on it. Yeah. So there's a lot going on here, right? To say the Jewish media, like what is the Jewish what is media? She, Does what that is she exist? talking about there? Is she talking about, you know, maybe the Jerusalem post or something like that, that's coming out of Israel and, it, you know, or is she just talking about the Jewish media in the not good sense, right? It's is definitely she trying the not to perpetuate? Yeah. And it does seem like she is trying to perpetuate um, the global, 
you know, vast global conspiracy that likes to get thrown around. And I mean, totally false. And it has real repercussions. And ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I know Ben Shapiro is constantly targeted. Right. Um, on because of this conspiracy crazy exactly. theory and she's that crackpots it. are pushing she, out. She claims to be anti-hate. That's what she's marching, marching on the streets for. But, um, you know, this is exactly what she's doing. So we just had to point out that story real quick because it's incredibly hypocritical. Um, and it once again just shows the true colors of the Women's March. Yeah, not a good look. All right, next segment, we're going to get into real or fake news, where I'm going to read real or fake headlines from the week, and Brie is going to guess whether or not they are real. And if I'm right, I'll get rewarded with a bell, which is my favorite part. Before I read them, I want to make a quick announcement. If you have any questions or comments for Brie and I to answer before the end of the show, uh, leave them in the Facebook post alone, and we will do our best to answer whatever your questions are. Yeah, ask Away, guys. <laughs> All right, real or fake news? Today's impeachometer could Flynn flip, topple Trump over Russia ruse? Wow. Uh, I'm gonna say that's real. <laughs> it is real. It's from Slate, and the reason we wanted to point this out is because Slate actually has an impeachometer for Trump. And Whoa. they change it pretty regularly. That's funny. So that's something actually happening on a liberal website near you. All right. Headline number two. Student government refuses to approve unsafe pro-capitalism club. Administrators are forced to intervene. I'm going to say that one's real also. On your game today. That is real. It's from the College Fix. And the reason we wanted to point that out is um, because... Uh, the vice chancellor of student affairs, Al Thompson, uh, inv- uh, said the school values diversity and the freedom to explore all ideas, even unpopular ones, seemingly referring to pro-capitalism, the pro-capitalism clubs as an unpopular idea. So, I mean, he's kind of not wrong, though. Right. I mean, study after study has shown that millennials overwhelmingly favor socialism and collectivism and other isms uh, over capitalism, which I guess is also an ism now that I'm saying it out loud. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like there's growing uh, resentment towards capitalism, which is I find rather interesting and confusing, honestly. But anyway, something is missing in their uh, college courses, because if anyone knows the reality of what or just our entire educational system from K. through 12 right they would not be saying that all right headline number three church of scientology slashes membership fee to three hundred thousand dollars in huge cyber uh, monday sale okay i know i know where this one came from this one's a babylon b article isn't it yeah so it's a fake story real headline from the babylon b yep um also kind of real in real life, though, because people pay out hundreds of thousands of dollars well, in order to advance in the levels of this Church of Scientology. That is what I wanted to know after reading that headline, because I knew this had to come from some truth. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know I know you are really into Scientology <laughs> and like know it, not like you support it, but you're fascinated by it. So yes. we're going to have to do another segment at a later on a later show I have to put a pin where in we that. get into that issue, because there's there's a lot there. All right. And last headline. 
Liberty Convocation speaker to in speakers to include Ray Rice, Tommy Lauren, and Corey Lewandowski. Oh, I know this. This one's real. It's true. <laughs> you did a bad job with these headlines this no. week, producer Lauren. No. Um. So this is this is at Liberty University. For those who don't know, is a, a very conservative university and you know ray rice was released by the ravens and indefinitely suspended by the nfl in 2014 yeah after, after battering his wife exactly and you know tommy lauren is pro-choice you know respect to her first amendment she can say what she wants but that you know that position does not necessarily line up with what you would think um coming out from liberty university but. i actually went to the rival school the rival college. Yeah. But all right. Here's the funny part of that. So I went to a tiny liberal arts school in Percival, Virginia called Patrick Henry College. I and actually we just cons- drove by that the other oh, day. Oh, did you? All right. That's where I attended school. Uh, and it's really tiny. Right. So we were always like, oh, yeah, liberties are rivals like liberty and Christendom. Those are two rivals. And one day we had. I think it was like a soccer match, right, between our men's team and their men's team. And um, one of my friends was talking to some of the students from Liberty, and she was like, oh, do you guys go to Liberty? And they were like, oh, yeah. And she was like, oh, I guess we're rivals then, haha. And they were like, oh, what school are you from? Because we're so much smaller than Liberty. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, they're our rival, but I don't know if they know that. You don't know if they know that. Yeah. Well, I went to the smallest D1 school, I think, in the country, Lafayette College. So I know how you feel. Yeah. All right. Well, for our final segment of today's Facebook Live and podcast, we have our Problematic Woman of the Week. All right. Should we give it a drum roll? Let's do it. Do you want to introduce it? All right. Or I will. The Problematic Woman. It is Meghan Markle, who recently just got engaged with Prince Harry, who I always thought was the far more attractive prince and the more fun prince, right? Like, you always see William, and it's like he's probably never done a bad thing in his life (laughs) without his brother being involved. You know what I mean? Like, Harry's the fun one. He's the troublemaker. uh, And he got engaged to an awesome woman who is an American, which I'm very happy about. I'm happy that Americans are infiltrating the monarchy over there yeah yes but Bree, Um, explain why this is problematic problematic. of course of course the left finds a reason to call this problematic yeah so all right basically she is problematic jill filipovic wrote in cnn that it is so disappointing to see that she will be giving up her acting career after she weds in order to become a literal princess And in a lot of uh, write-ups about this engagement, she's described as fiercely independent, but by marrying and giving giving up her hard-earned career, she is going to be quite literally entirely dependent on her husband and his family. Yeah, so this is coming from a so-called feminist who is putting down um, this beautiful, accomplished woman during the happiest time of her life because she is deciding to give up her acting career to probably pursue a lot more meaningful um, opportunities. Right. I mean, her position as an actress that suits influential 
influential. As a princess, eh, ranks a lot higher. And also, Meghan Markle is ve- like pretty liberal. You know, she talks about how she likes Hillary Clinton and wrote the, like a fan letter basically to Hillary Clinton. Um, and Hillary Clinton wrote back, and she's in a lot of other um, kind of TED talks talked about like expressed a liberal viewpoint about a lot of issues so if you're a feminist wouldn't you think oh perfect now we have a liberal who is you know an outspoken one no less who's going to be a princess and he's going to have like one of the biggest microphones in the world wouldn't that be a win but no it's not a win because she's not you know living out the lifestyle that jill filipovic envisions for every good feminist which is ridiculous and underscores the point that we like to make every week which is that feminism isn't really about empowering women and giving them choices it's about forcing women to all adhere to the same like model of ideology or whatever right and they all have to live out the same lifestyle it really shows her line of thinking that if you get married and quit your job to become a housewife according to jill you no longer can be a feminist and there's so much wrong with that i was actually at a dinner last night where sarah huckabee sanders was the uh, keynote speaker and uh, the person interviewing her on stage said so Sarah you have one of the most difficult jobs in America right now and she goes I know being a mom is really really tough <laughs> and she was serious and that's how a lot of moms feel I can imagine and so I think it's really demeaning for Jill to make this argument that she's no longer a good feminist because she's quitting her acting job uh, I really liked the spin that uh, Markle put on it though when she was asked about giving her career in an interview with the BBC she said I don't see it as giving anything up I see it as a change it's a new chapter New chapters are wonderful. Change is wonderful. I think feminists need to calm down and respect the fact that she is being independent, making her own decision, and making herself happy. And that is what we all should want for each other at the end of the day. Yeah. And also our lives are going to look different and everyone's going to make different choices. And we should be supportive of that and supportive of women expressing their independence. You know, and we should be pushing for opportunities and for society to embrace different Things that women want to do and different creative outlets, including motherhood and being a princess. <laughs> Amen. Perfect place to wrap up our show this week. So thank you all for tuning in. And as always, if you know a problematic problematic woman who we should highlight, please don't be shy in letting us know. You can follow my work at The Daily Signal and on Twitter at Kelsey J. Harkness. And you can read all of my work over at thefederalist.com. And follow me on Twitter at Brie underscore Payton. This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and The Federalist, and it is produced by Lauren Evans of The Daily Signal. You can tweet segment ideas to Lauren on Twitter at Lauren Liz Evans. We appreciate all of you liking this podcast, sharing it with your friends, and supporting strong, conservative, problematic women who are standing up for America's culture. <laughs>